Hello, everyone. Welcome to the 146th episode of the Socially Distanced Podcast, the flagship podcast of thepopbreak.com. My name is Bill Bodkin. I am the editor-in-chief of this podcast and of this website and of the world within The Last of Us. That's right. You can call me your cranky old man, Joel, who's got knees made out of rusty nickels and elbows made out of a sack of sand because I am falling apart just like our favorite daddy, Joel, as paid by Pedro Pascal. If you hadn't guessed from me trying to cover up from my mistake in the intro, we are talking about The Last of Us, Episode 5, Survive and Endure, or Endure and Survive. It's the same thing, right? You saw the episode. You get the joke. Uh, this is going to be a little bit of a different lineup this week. Al Manorino, it's that time of year again. He just is off trying to find love and thunder. Will he find it? Who knows? Uh, and uh, my other co-host, Amanda Rivas, uh, is actually doing something legit. She's going to Las Vegas. Uh, so, Amanda, go nerd it up out there for us and root on our favorite pro wrestler of the podcast, Brandon, uh, and in his uh, matches at the Level Up Con this weekend. So, uh, joining me is everyone's favorite millennial mushroom daddy, uh, they she's graduated from being geriatric she's very spry these days but also maybe erupting from an underground cavern uh our resident guest for this series alicia weinberger welcome back dude hey my face is split open into a gross mushroom and i'm yoked i mean that's why we so last week alicia was not here and sam niles who writes our reviews on the site uh, for The Last of Us joined us, and um, we theorized that you did experience the funnel cake kisses, which, Kelly, if you don't know, the funnel cake kisses is when a uh, mushroom-infected person just, you know, gets their tentacles all up in your mouth. So you'll never eat funnel cake the same again. And I know, being from the Jersey Shore, that is actually a crime against humanity. Uh, but we figured, Alicia, you turned into some sort of, um, you know, zombie daddy. So I, I, I did. You know, it's not, it's not so bad. It's kind of fun. You know, I I'm, mean, I'm fast. I'm strong. You know, you, I, I feel great. Got you, a good we, sense of community. You do. I do. You do. I mean, you as an admirer of strong women, you are now a strong, a strong woman, not strong. Emo- you've always been strong emotionally, but physically yeah, you're there now. You're there now. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and Johnny, Jesus Christ. <laughs> neither one of us are drunk so we're we're off to a great start joining us this week is a long time friend of the podcast she is your favorite ace independent film cinephile movie influencer social influencer follow her on all her socials at kel at the movies where she'll be talking about her, her favorite movie marcel with the shell uh amongst others maybe the banshees banshees of inishirin and uh how barry keogh deserves everything in this world apparently uh kelly mcgovern welcome back last time we were talking with you i believe it was uh horror or rescue rangers or both yeah a nice combination of both <laughs> nice Ugly Sonic reigns forever in our hearts on this podcast. Well, guys, before we get into uh, The Last of Us Episode 5, we got a pregame. Uh, our pregame this week, it's usually hosted by Al, but actually he's not here. So once again, here's me filling in. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Super Bowl was last weekend. Um, some of us, uh, I like the game, but not everyone here is probably watching it for the game. Uh, most people are into it for the food and what we're most interested in, the movie trailers. So, guys, what was your favorite movie trailer that aired during the Super Bowl? Kelly, you're our guest of honor and resident cinephile. So please tell us your favorite trailer from the Super Bowl. I am excited for Scream 6. I have never seen a Scream movie before. Yes, we discussed that too. <laughs> yeah, I have not. I've broken my cousin Ann Hale's heart a million times because of that. But this trailer makes me want to go see this. It it looks fantastic. Like it, that whole bodega shootout looked amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, New York City is going to be real cool. <laughs> awesome, Alicia. What are you? What trailer caught your tickled your fancy? 
Scream Six. First off, I never seen any of the new screams. Just the first one. I've so never screamed before. So I don't know what happened between the first one and now, where Ghostface became fucking John Wick, and I I gotta know now. But <laughs> oh man, just imagine uh, it's Keanu Reeves Ghostface. <laughs> I would love that. It's like mean, why not? And um, then it just segues into Catch Ghostface in John Wick Four. Um. <laughs> uh, Wait, did the did the Fast and Furious 10 trailer come out during the Super Bowl or was that out? At 100%. Well, it came out. So this is the one annoying thing about Super Bowl trailers. Like they drop a lot of commercials and trailers like the full length before the Super Bowl. And they just show a clip of it during the game because it's like three million dollars. And they weren't showing like the six and a half minute Fast X, you know, uh, trailer uh, to pay like six million. Although they could afford six million dollars. It was who we couldn't hear. Uh, so they did drop the the uh, abbreviated version during the Super Bowl. So it counts. It counts. Right? Oh, it, so counts. it counts. It's family. It yeah, yeah. Yes, that one. Yes, it's family. And uh, yeah, I read somewhere that Jason Momoa's character was described as the anti-family. So now we have like the Thanos of the the Fast <laughs> the Fast and Furious universe. Literally, everyone is in this movie, including Paul Walker. I'm not even kidding. They brought they. I don't know if they, they use old clips and CGI and because it, it apparently um, it's based off action. Like he's uh, like Jason Momoa is part of Fast Five. Like they kind of retrofit him into it. And that's where this movie takes, you know, springs from the actions of that film. I'm still waiting for Universal to uh, hear my pitch for the Dark Universe Fast and Furious crossover because I really need a fucking car tra- chase with Dracula. Like, come on. I'd be there for that. It writes itself. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it does. I really want that to happen too. I forgot that's your ultimate fantasy. Um, um I would tie for two because I'm the host. I can make it up. Uh, I first saw the uh, the original trailer for this in Disney World, and I held up an entire line and said, "Hey, shut up!" There's an Indiana Jones trailer. Um. People were like, what? This is happening? And they all watched it over my shoulder. Um, So I was very excited to see the teaser trailer for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny because, hey, Harrison Ford decided I'm 80 and I'm just cashing in, people. I'm going to be in every big thing going. And I admire him and his greed. Um, Actually, I've heard that new show he does, Shrinking, is actually really, really good on Apple TV+. And I cannot... I would be remiss if I did not say how much I was excited to see the Guardians of the Galaxy 3 trailer, because uh, if you listen to my other podcast, Bill vs. the MCU, Guardians is my favorite Marvel property, and I absolutely love what they're doing here. Less of a, everyone's going to die, this is going to be a sad movie, and they brought back a lot of really good humor, especially the stuff with Quill and Gamora and Nebula, and Nebula's probably the best character in the film franchise anyway, so I loved it, it was a lot of fun, so... I recommend those. If you guys haven't checked them out, they're all on YouTube or go check out my piece on the pop break where I rank all 12 of the films that had movie trailers during the Super Bowl. Some of them were just the worst. Uh, or as I described, Transformers Beast Wars, a mid trailer for a mid franchise because I try to be hip like the kids do. And I probably just sound like an old fart, but this old fart doesn't want to see Transformers anymore. So, guys. It's time for the main event. Let us go into The Last of Us, Episode 5. Well, they really know how to really punch us right in the soul here. Um, We this uh, this episode is going to find us like um, we're still continuing the the hunt for of Henry, uh, who we found out who we were introduced at the end of episode four. Uh, we also are trying to escape Kansas city. We're going to see um, the Kathleen hunt is still on. And of course there's still something bubbling underneath the ground in Kansas city. So guys, let's talk about decisions that were made throughout the, the episode. We talk about, there's two major decisions that are made based on, Alicia's favorite concept from her favorite film franchise, The Fast and the Furious, family. Henry decides to turn in the revolutionary leader, who is Kathleen's brother, in order to Fedra in order to get medication for his young brother, who uh, is very sick. Uh, and meanwhile, Kathleen has decided 
I'm going to kill that guy because of this, and I'm just going to do everything in my power to kill that guy. Despite her brother saying, you should probably, I forgive him, you should as well. So I feel like this is a very interesting concept here because it's talking about good and evil. Who's the bad guy? Who's the good guy? The moral gray of not just these characters, but this show. So I guess I got to think with these decisions, how do you, like, do you feel like, how did they, you feel when you guys found out about Henry first, we'll start with him that he never killed a guy, but he turned in Kathleen's brother in order to save his brother. How did you feel about that character? Once you've got that reveal, Kelly, I'm going to start with you first. Um, I think it was an interesting look at um, the way morality can look so different um, depending on the character and kind of how they play it out. So I feel like the average viewer could look at Henry and I think on a surface level be more empathetic with the decision that he made because it's like, of course, he cares about his brother. Um, he, you know, didn't outright kill someone, but he made a difficult decision. And I think that he bore that weight pretty well. You could tell that it was on his mind um, versus uh, Kathleen's character where it, her decisions seemed based more in vengeance. So that would be, I think like the difference in their decision-making. Alicia, what about you? Like when Kathleen, uh, cause we know you stand a tall woman. Uh, when Kathleen, <laughs> when Kathleen, uh, is talking to Perry and she's she's talking about her brother and how much she loves her brother in their childhood room. And then she says, well, he told me to forgive them. And I know I should, but fuck it, I'm not. How did that make, like, how did you react to that? And does that ultimately make her the big bad of this episode? Or is this a human thing? Like, how do you take that? Well, I mean, well, first off, just a side note, did not know she was 5'7 in real life. Thank you for that educational tidbit. Because when I heard the last episode, listened to the last episode, I was like, what are you talking about? Is she that tall? And a wow. I mean, yeah. If you don't know, Alicia, Alicia loves tall women. So, and as, and I, yeah, I, I told her to get in line with Melly Olinsky. I love so. all body types. I just, you know, I just, I'm projecting. I wish I was tall. Um, Alicia, but, spoiler alert, Alicia, not tall. Not tall. But when you're this short, everybody's a mountain i'm andre the giant when <laughs> compared to alicia <laughs> um, well anyway going back to the serious ethical question yeah, i know we're gonna break it up <laughs> sometimes man <laughs> going back to murder <laughs> yeah, you know tribalism human emotion Ugh. the human condition whatever Ugh. fuck it that bullshit um, i mean like listen i don't have children right um, so right. I, I can never possibly as a person and being imagine to be in the precarious position of like, yeah, I'm I'm willing to kill for my child, which I'd imagine many parents would probably feel that way. Um, but also as somebody who does have a, a, a sibling, right, an older sibling, I can also really relate to like this, this innate like like logically like, yes, I know I should forgive. That's the right thing to do. Right. And. That's one thing I kind of like that they address in this show, unlike other zombie shows like The Walking Dead, where it's not just this flat, like, you should forgive or don't forgive. It's like, no, I know I should forgive. I yeah. know that's ethically the right thing to do. And and we all are aware that it will cause this, like, cycle of violence. And she's very well, very well aware of that, but she chooses not to. She chooses to make the decision of, like, I'm going to give in to my emotions, Um I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying that there is probably a lot of people that would feel that way. And I think that's incredibly human to be aware that you're wrong and still do the wrong thing. There was an interesting line, I think, that um, Henry has. And he says, he's talking about Fedra's reign over 20 years of Kansas City. He's like, when you murder and rape and oppress people for so long, you know what they're going to do? the same thing to you and i feel like that whole cycle is 
well, you betray so that, and then we even see Kathleen doing that with the people who were locked up, and she's like, "You're all rats. You're all collaborators. Give me what I want." Oh yeah, they killed us in jail. So guess what? I'm going to kill you because that's what's to her. That's justice, and that's what she's thinking. She's like, she knows it's morally wrong, but this is the Wild West now. So this is justice to, for her. And how can she let, and I almost wonder if some of it's egotistical for her because she's like, as a leader, and I don't mean egotistical in a negative way, it's like, as a leader, and especially, and I mean, it sounds like a dick when I say this, but as a woman in charge of all these dudes who are carrying, who are heavily armed, she can't be like, well, I'm just going to let this guy go. And, and then they'll be like, oh, she's weak. Of course she would let them go. And then she loses control. I could easily see that and the position she's in as well. And like Alicia, you said, like, she did, she loved her brother. She said, my brother was beautiful. Like, that's, that's, that, she really loved that, that guy. But at the same time, when, with Henry, I feel like he is the exact opposite. He wears it as a, he wears it as this is my sins. And he kind of is almost like my penance for this is getting my brother to safety, even if that means I don't get out because he's the more important one and i deserve what i deserve that's how he kind of says it off to joel i feel like he's like i deserve what i get um and how do you think like we see this little like mini morality play right here in kansas city do you guys think this is good and alicia you probably know better than kelly or i since you've played the game does this like moral gray? Does this like I looks like I'm the way I'm talking? I'm holding a large cheeseburger in my hands. Um, is like, do you think is this moral gray going to come more into play? Didn't mean to rhyme. Um, throughout the throughout the rest of the series. Oh hell yeah, yeah. I mean, like especially in the second game. Um, I mean, you know, I mean we're we're dealing with a father figure and a surrogate daughter figure, and Joel's going to be put into a position of like, this is my kid. I'm going to kill for my, my kid, my kid, fuck everybody else. If they have kids, this is my kid. So yeah, we're going to see that a lot. Um, and without spoiling it, I mean, obviously if you played the game, you'll know that's going to affect a lot of people and cause this giant chain reaction for what will probably be the second and maybe even third season if we get a third season. Kelly, how do you, how do you see this? Obviously we haven't played the game, but like, how do you think this this moral gray plays into the larger world, uh, this post-apocalyptic world? Like, how do you feel like, like, do you feel it's like, do you feel there can, it always is going to be this way? Or can there be a right and wrong? Um, I think in terms of the, the level of survival that they are at and the level of desperation, I think opens up new ways of thinking and just kind of, you know, loopholes, if you will, you're, you're kind of jumping through hoops here in, you know, what's right or wrong. And I think, I, I think people are going to just continue compromising themselves and that will have um, a ripple effect. And, um, you know, if we're talking like, let's say the end of this episode would be like the finite point, it almost feels like, what does it really matter anyway? Because if you're making a morally right or morally wrong or even a morally great choice everybody almost everybody ended up in the same position which was dead at the end of the episode so you know it's um it's some dark stuff it definitely definitely is i i think maybe it comes into play next week when he goes to he ends up in wyoming that quick i did not expect him to be there already but he runs into his brother and it definitely seems like his brother is has the pangs of guilt of their actions up until they got to Boston and got separated um, really weigh heavily on his brother. Whereas, you know, you know, Joel is just like, we did what we had to do, man. And Tommy's kind of like, no, we were bad people. So I feel like that's, that's where it's going to play into. And I think it's really going to challenge us as the audience to, to kind of be like, who's right and who's wrong. Or maybe we just realize, uh, that doesn't really matter. Um, moving on to uh, interesting character choices here. So in watching the after uh, the mini documentary after the episode, the creative team made the decision, if people don't know this, to take the Sam character, which is Henry's little brother, 
and make him deaf because at least you correct me if I'm wrong. He's not deaf in the game. No, and he's and he's actually much. He's actually kind of older in the game too. He's closer to more like Ellie's age. So they also aged him down. Uh, so in the show, with that, we we talked a lot about deviations with Sam last week, and we've talked about it with you too. And Sam's generally the thing is just like so far the deviations from the game have actually worked really well to the show's advantage. How do you feel about this change in the Sam character? I think I think it's brilliant, right? I mean, you know, often like in, in these like post-apocalyptic shows, I, I mean, we saw it in The Walking Dead, right? Not to keep going back to The Walking Dead, but I mean, but it's, it was a cultural moment. This yeah, air of like. I, I mean, at least in my interpretation, there's always this air of kind of like ableism, right? Where it's like, you know, Melanie Zielinski even says it herself, like some some people are just fated to die. Um, and I don't, you know, not, I don't necessarily think maybe that was in connection to his deafness, but I can imagine in a world that is as terrible as this one, people would probably see a kid who is deaf um, and speaks this very niche language now in this world as somebody who isn't practical, right? And because now we're living in a world where children aren't children anymore. They're just adults in the making or they're cargo. Um, so I think it just lends this this kind of nefarious nature of this world that like, yeah, we have to, or not we have to, but some people definitely look at other people as physical burdens. Um, I mean, we even see that in episode three where Fedra decided to kill healthy civilians because they were a potential danger they could they could have been infected oh yeah that's right oh yeah that scene was wow um kelly what's your knowing this now what do you think about this decision to take to make this character deaf and use american sign language as a form of communication um, so I think that also lent to the bond and the relationship he was able to have with Henry or um, any empathetic person around him. Um, I think when you have someone who needs a little bit more help in certain ways in terms of um, translation or being understood, uh, that creates a more childlike character. Like you need to really care for that person. Um, so I think people are able to open their hearts up a little bit more to that. Um, I also, in speaking with a friend, I felt that that lent to some very creative decisions, um, especially come time for the end of the episode, uh, because he was deaf, but yet he still had the wherewithal, even though when he knew that he, um, you know, had been bitten and things were not going to go well, uh, they actually had him turn away from Ellie in the bedroom. He couldn't hear her. And the only reason he attacked her was when he saw her. So I think that that just really upped a lot of the stakes because they had the whole conversation on whether or not you're still you, even though you've become infected. And I just, I think that that was like a very loaded scene and like a really heavy decision um, that you really couldn't have formed without him being deaf. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it was. I mean, just thought it was a really great finding out they changed that from the game. I was, and the creator of the game, who's heavily involved in the show, said he's like, I, he was so mad about that idea because he didn't think of it uh, in the, for the game. I mean, it adds that element of suspense, especially in the scene where they're walking over the broken glass and. And then, so it's like, oh my gosh, like he can't hear him. One second. Speaking of kids walking in one second. Hello, Peanut. Okay. Hold on one sec. So yeah, I think it's a great decision. It added a lot of drama to what was happening. Um, and it makes it, it makes everything at the end even more heartbreaking. So uh, guys, let's talk about that scene. Nope. Uh, let's talk about that scene where the zombies come out. Alicia, tell us if this has also happened in the game the way it played out. Where one, the, the, everyone's being shot at by an old dude. Oh, Father Time is shooting at them from a house, and then there's uh, as my daughter's playing like a trombone in the background, and then there's uh, don't, and then there's um, you know a horde of zombies that come out. 
<laughs> so just tell us if that how much that db uh which is that similar to the game and how what you thought of that whole scene altogether yeah i i mean i think i touched on this in the last well not last episode but the last podcast i was on where ultimately they make these deviations to make the story kind of richer but it, it all ends in the same way right there hasn't really been like a massive deviation or like suddenly like oh no jk frank is like alive and he's gonna save them on like uh, an apache helicopter like and like you know what i mean so it's it there, there's not these like crazy deviations um it is different like the guy who who's like who's manning the the crow's nest like he's not old like in the game he's just like some random bandit we also don't have this like kind of deeper contextual story about henry when the game they're just like a two brothers that are just trying to get out of like a bandit like raider ridden city um no you want to but it ultimately ends up like yeah joel is firing from a distance a bunch of them a bunch of zambos come out and uh yeah and we also don't have like the militia in it so it also just makes that scene even more brutal (laughs) um which by the way i'm gonna cause some controversy here sorry i had to help uh explain minecraft (laughs) the video game i'm like i'm not in front of i'm not in front of a ps4 guys can you explain can she I would no. love to. I would love no, no, to no. hear to load a game. take on Minecraft. Oh my I'd, god, we could do I a whole like podcast. I would like and subscribe to that YouTube channel. <laughs> I should just have a Sophie's hot take on that channel. That'd be great. I just don't want to exploit my child for money, <laughs> like most people do on the internet. Oh my god. Um, which, by the way, speaking of those militia people, those revolutionaries getting fucking brutalized. I'm not a sports person, but I was really kind of bummed that. The Eagles didn't win, not because I'm an Eagles fan. I don't hate the Eagles. I know nothing about sports. Um, but I really just wanted to make a meme of like the bloater in a fucking Eagles jersey and Perry in a Chiefs one. And he's just like, blah, and like. You should do, um, you could do it the other way. I, but yeah, but it's like in Kansas City. So the, ca- the tagline would have been oh, Kansas City took two L's right. this week. Yeah. Oh, God damn it. Yeah. I do hate the fact you could make a spicy meme. meme. Oh, yeah. man. Let's just pour. Let's pour one out for that. Yeah. But so what? uh, So what was your hot take on the militia? Was that it? That was it. I mean, (laughs) there's like, I'm sorry, the Eagles should have won because I needed. I had a meme, like a a a hot, spicy meme cooked up, and I can't. I can't Uh, shoot it out into the internet. I'm sorry. Um, Jesus Christ. Kelly, what'd you think about the action sequence at the end? Because I always wonder with like stuff like this, because this is like high prestige drama. Like this is very suspenseful, very well written, very character driven. But then it's just like, yo, zombies coming out of a hole. Let's watch them run and murder everybody. Like, does it compute? And how did you feel about the scene? Um, I like you kind of went from like zero to 100 there because like of course it was very um suspenseful with you know just people kind of on the hunt for henry and um his brother but when that happened it really just kind of felt like you see all the decisions that you've made like this led you to this moment and like this is the hell you brought like and you know it's gonna happen so it felt very necessary um, you know, it's such a metaphor for, it just kind of felt like humanity at the time. Um, and a fantastic way to use, uh, really awesome practical effects. Uh, Alicia, I don't know if you brought this up while I was trying to explain how a video game system works to a child, but did we talk about, uh, the thick mushroom daddy? No. So oh, I think we should spend some quality time with, uh, TMD. Remember, we had the whole Suicide Squad podcast where it was just we just talked about some TDK the TDK. whole time. TDK is attachable kid. We kept talking about that. I just every time Alicia's on, I'm just like, hey, remember that time we we're all drunk and on a podcast? It was great. Um, but so let's talk about this thick mushroom man. Um, is that yeah. is that true to the is that true to the game? Yes. So in the game, was he um, that thick with two C's and potentially three? He's, he's thick with like four C's. Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah. And and like little Easter egg for obviously fans of the game who probably noticed this when he grabs Perry and like you know turns him into a human pez dispenser. Um mm. that's how you die in the game. If he grabs you, that's it. He like you see it, he like shoves his like 
his his fingers and your various face orifices and you know pez dispensers you um it's brutal um yeah so he is like that and also because obviously they cut the whole like narrative device of like being infected by spores but in the game he can actually like throw like spore grenades at you which is a little fantastical which i'm glad they kind of cut because it'd be a little yeah. ridiculous to see that um I would. yeah but you, you actually meet him um him in the uh in bill's chapter of the game in the church shootout uh, oh okay so it's, yeah it's kind of an interesting choice that they they introduced it um later on but it paid off so i really enjoyed that What's wild to me is, <clears throat> so when we first get to Kansas City, we see, um, I was going to say Melanie, obviously Melanie Olinsky, but Kathleen's people are in charge. But what was interesting is it was, they had just taken the city over 10 days ago and they were ruling with an iron fist. And yet within 10 days, their entire empire succumb, empire I use in quotes, succumbs to the infected. like literally almost overnight and i don't think it, it, it's like while it was like was fedra really it, you know i think it speaks to fedra said they cleaned everyone out they they obviously didn't like like uh, henry said and it's just wild to see like that's just the fragility of hum humanity that nature is going to win because you know obviously the fungus are controlling these uh thick ass zombies that run like crazy <laughs> um those are the worst zombies i think I know all zombies are frightening, but fast zombies, in my opinion, the worst zombies. I think that's the only part of World War Z I really enjoyed was like when they're running and they're like, oh, God, that's why they're scary. Everything else was like, all right, this is just not great. Not great Brad Pitt movie. Um, I also feel that well, going back to what we talked, I think, Alicia, we talked about this. We talked about I don't know if we talked about this with you with just how gunfire in this this show is so much more violent. I know, Kelly, if you feel this way, when they're being shot at with the rifle, it's so much louder and so much more intimidating than it would be in a show that was like, if, if there wasn't silence all around us. So I think it's just the, I like how the show has explosions of violence. It's not just violence for the sake of violence, as the American Dream Dusty Rhodes would say. Uh, kind of like, Show I'm watching, the other show I'm watching for my other podcast, I'm watching Daredevil season two. That's just hey, we're gonna punch people all the time. We're sh the Punishers, and it. it's just a lot of run big guns and muscles, and we're gonna shoot things, punch things, and break things, which is well, well and good. But I think for this ep this series, if it was like that, it would just devolve into what The Walking Dead was, which was like, ooh, there's melodrama, and then we just shoot an arrow through a zombie's eye, and that's it. Um, let's talk about the demise of Kathleen. I didn't have this on the sheet. Um, she eventually apparently gets slapped to death by a kid mushroom. Uh, <laughs> Kelly, how'd you feel that our, you know, this woman who is given like a wonderful performance here gives these big speeches and basically says, fuck them kids. Um, in a great her speech that was just like, I don't give a shit. I'm going to kill you and the kids. Um, she gets killed by a kid. Um, would you do find irony of that? Or did that just kind of take you out of the moment for a second? Um, you know what? It didn't take me out of the moment. It felt fair because, um, you know, kind of going back to what I said, like in terms of her decision-making, uh, I think if she went about things, cause she was an incredibly strong, charismatic leader. Um, I think she could have held tight and like things would have gone on further than 10 days had she not been so vengeance driven and like seeking Henry. So it almost kind of felt like uh, her carelessness in that sense got her killed. Yeah. Cause uh, if I'm wrong, didn't Joel, wasn't Joel like, Hey, um, we'll save you. Like you're mm -hmm. a person, which is wild that Joel would do that. Cause you think Joel would be like, ah, fuck it. We're out of here guys. Um, so Alicia, what do you think about, um, a tall woman's demise and Joel's decision to be like, Hey, we'll, we'll help you out. But obviously she got slapped to death by a kid. Yeah. I mean, I, I see Joel's decision more like this evolution of being like, he's very, he's very, um, pragmatic, right? Yeah. Like he's willing to like compromise if it means like surviving the next day. 
right? Right. So I, I mean, I saw that offering maybe, it, maybe it'll eventually evolve into that, but not more so out of compassion, but more so like, please don't shoot us, just let us go and we'll let you live um, kind of decision. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, you know, obviously there, there's the irony of like, hey, she's like, fuck them kids and she's killed by a kid. Mm. But I, I mean, just to, to kind of backtrack to your initial question at the start of the episode was like, who was right? Who was more right, right? And who mm-hmm. was more wrong? If I had to pick a side in this situation, I would probably side with Henry, right? Because, I mean, one, it, it's, it, it's a child, right? And I mean, I think we're all human nature. We want to save children. I mean, that's what we're mostly raised to think, like, you know, children first. Um, but it begs the question, like, how qualified of a leader was Kathleen, right? Because her her brother was a revolutionary, right? And he was killed. And it sounds like there's this kind of implicit backstory that he was a very good and fair leader, that he probably would have given people fair trials had the, they won, right? Had the revolutionaries mm-hmm. won. And he probably understood that a lot of people sold people out to Fedra because they were all living under this, like, what is essentially a, like a fascist re- regime, right? And Kathleen was so blinded by her own self-centeredness, right? That she couldn't, she, once she, she killed a bunch of people, right? She ignored like a very serious threat, which is the monsters bubbling underneath the streets. And ultimately she she adopts this philosophy that like, like I mentioned before, that that's like this kind of like, if we had to put a word to it, this like Abel is thinking of like, well, this child's useless to me. They're sick. They should just die, which is insane because the idea of what I would imagine her brother being a revolutionary is trying to make a better world, right? And in order to have a better world, right. you need kids. You need kids to be born and raised and grow up. And she just, I don't know, you start to think that maybe she only became a leader just de facto because her brother was the leader. Yeah, and she 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 surrounded herself with like-minded people. Perry at one point says, your brother was a great man. We all loved him, but you got shit done. So, I mean, people, what's the path of least resistance? Kill them all. It really is. That's the easiest way to, you want to take something over? What's quicker, having a vote or killing everybody? Killing everybody. Right, and, and then, and, oh, sorry. And then they were foisted, uh, my favorite phrase of all time, they were foisted on their own petard. And, uh, they ended up because they they became the monsters that they hated. And instead of like Fedra arrogantly didn't take care of the infected problem. And everyone's dead because of them, because there's no way anyone got out of Kansas. Like no way with that army, just ripping through that and that thick daddy walking through just like ripping heads. No way. Um, but yeah, I think Kathleen, I, I laughed a little when the kid just started slapping her. I was like, that's silly. We, but I'm like, I also got the point of it was a child that did it. And she, it was her arrogance that led to her demise. It was her own hubris that led to her death. And I like the fact that I think, and they talked about this on the doc, ending documentary. It was like, Henry really affects Joel because he really hammers home this point of, stewardship and fatherhood and and guardianship that he's realized that we've seen joel warming up to he's, it's not just cargo this is a person this person has also saved his life this person who's also he's finding is a very special person has a good she's, he sees her laughing he sees her having being a child and seeing her living probably longer than his own daughter did so i can see that as well and let's talk about that ending that goddamn ending where this show just wants to break our hearts every week, guys. So um, I want to know your guys' immediate reaction to the, if you haven't seen the episode, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast, but um, when our young our young buddy Sam turns, Henry shoots him, and then Henry, Henry takes his own life. Uh, my immediate reaction was I just, I my hands like fell into my head, head fell into my hands, I pulled my hair back and I just was so sad because I knew what was going to happen once he shot his brother. I'm like, he's just not going to make it. And he's going to kill himself because it's just the grief. He can't, he can't, he's so blinded by, he's had so much grief and guilt to begin with. He's never processed it. And now 
another death is on his hands and he can't take it. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> just like, this was not what I was expecting at all. Um, Kelly, how, what was your reaction when that whole scene went down at the end? Um, I have to say, this is probably like the most, um, it, it, I felt hollow by the end of it. I felt like it really emptied me out because um, if you think about it in comparison to um, episode three with uh, Bill and Frank, they had a love and their love where they were able to, it was still incredibly dark how they had to go out, but they were able to go out on their own terms. Whereas this almost shows the most painful side of love is when you can't go out on your own terms and it, it it's like the love that can destroy you because he had no choice but to shoot Sam and then you can't go on from that there is no tomorrow after that so it it showed the destructive side of caring in a world like this so Alicia, is this was this true to the game as well, or and if it was, having known this, did that lessen the impact of what you saw on screen? Uh, yeah, no, it's super true to the game. Um, no, oh. it didn't. I mean, it even became <laughs> it's even a little bit more uh, brutal, right? Because they they in the game, right? In the game, like Sam actually hides his bite, and Ellie's actually just unaware of it. So then they add this element of like they kind of need to remind us like as much as Ellie has this kind of sadistic streak in her because we do see it um yeah. she is still a child she is still a child that's just waving a gun around and is still like naive like a kid and thinks like she can save Sam because she's got magic blood and yeah and it's all very well intentioned and it makes it even much more heartbroken because like oh she she has a little friend now and if the next episode goes into what happens in the DLC, like Sam could have probably represented to her this like redemption of like, oh, like there's there's another kid like me and I can save them because, well, if you played the DLC, she has another kid friend um, who doesn't make it. And she kind which of which is kind of suggested yeah, in the suggested, opening episode. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's it's kind of twice as brutal in the show than it is in the game. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So I, this begs the question. Um, we've had a lot. We've seen Tess immolate herself to save everybody. Uh, we have the Bill and Frank stuff. And now we have these, all the stuff that happened here. Is The Last of Us, is it bordering on misery porn here? Or do you think this is all just real good drama? Because so, for some people, like this would be too much. They'd be like, this This is just way too much sorrow and brutality for me. Um, so, Alicia, I want to start with you first. Like, is this bordering on misery porn or is this this really good drama? Well, it ain't it ain't called the most of us. People. <laughs> <laughs> like, Didn't think you'd go it's there. not called uh, a healthy population <laughs> of us. <laughs> God bless you so much. I, I mean... <laughs> Yeah, it is miserable. It's bleak. I mean, it's it's bleak in the sense of like, I don't know. You you read a a Russian novel is probably bleak too because it's a bleak situation. Oh, no, I know, I know, no, I know. It, <laughs> no, yes, I know. we're in a post apocalyptic world. Yes, it's um, not going to be a fucking rom com. Although yeah. hilarious if there was one. Although I guess that was warm bodies. Um, is but are they going? Are they? Is it too much? too much sorrow and tragedy or is this like this is par for the course um i think it's par for the course i don't think it's too much sorrow and tragedy i mean you know especially now you're like just wait (laughs) just wait right but i mean just as the series progresses it's going to become a little bit more insular it's going to be much more um i would imagine less you know they deviate again but it's going to be much more ellie and joel focused and all these characters as great as they are they're all kind of like these reflections and pieces of their like moral evolution throughout the series. Right. So it's, yeah, it's, it's misery porn, right? Cause all these people die, but at some point it is just going to be Joel and Ellie and 
we need something to ponder on, right? We need something right. to consider, like, why they make the decisions they make in the future. Um, and that's because it, they don't exist in a vacuum. It's because they witness and experience terrible things and also good things, too. They, they do experience love in, in a certain sense. So it's not going to be all bad. It is going to be bookmarked by some good. Awesome. Good to know. Uh, Kelly, for you, is it is it too heavy? Is it is it bordering on that misery porn for you? Or is it just like, hey, man, this is this is good drama. This is this is what um, the world going to shit. This brings everybody. Um, I think that they are balancing it out quite nicely. And I'm sure as somebody who um, has not experienced the game, I am kind of, you know, growing along with um, Joel and Ellie. So like you're kind of latching on to these main characters. Um, you know, I am a little concerned it's going to be like uh, the new murder of the week where you kind of get like this like shiny new character that you get to know and then they die. Um, <laughs> I, wor I worry about the, the rapid pace of that because it is like, you know, an episodic journey. Um, so I, I just... Would hate for them to fall into the repetition of that um but so far you know spanning over like two episodes getting to know certain side characters you know there's going to be a lot of death like it's just you know understood um i'd still say you know, as a newbie who knows the general storyline i think it's going about as good as it can go i think the most important episode of this series to balance out a lot of that is the Bill and Frank episode, Kelly, like you mentioned, because most of that episode is an absolute delight because it's like Ron Swanson finds love and the dude from White Lotus. There you go. It's just like, it's this wonder. We talked about this, this wonderful love story that ends because they got old and got sick and that, and they decided to, to, to die together. I mean, like, it's sad, but like it was a beautiful story we watched. And I think that's what makes this not misery porn because it's just like we had that. We have that one episode always to reference to be like there was love. And like Alicia, you said the same thing. It's like a reflection, like these characters are there for something, and that are that's part of warming Joel up, and that's like the positive he'll have in there, even though he and Bill did not get along very well, they had the mutual respect for it. You know, and it, it, that scene's still great between Pedro Pascal and, <laughs> and Nick Offerman. But we have that, and everything that's happened is the sacrifice that Tess makes is because she loving she loves Joel, she cares for and she cares for the 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 fate of humanity, and she thinks Ellie can be it. Bill and Frank we just mentioned, and I mean, in this episode, it was like he was stopping his brother from becoming a monster, and then he just couldn't take it anymore because he loved his brother so much. And it wasn't like, just like the walking dead where it's just like, here's another, Hey, you know, that main character dead. And you're just like, Oh no. Why did like, there was that one episode, I think it was the prison finale episode where like four or five cast members eat it. And you're like, what, how, why is this a thing? How many people are you going to kill off? And then it's like, she gave birth to a baby, then gets bitten by a zombie. And it's like, oh, fuck off this show. And I don't think we're there. I, we're not killing people. We're not killing for the sake of killing. And we're not, I don't think, nothing in this show is unintentional. I think it's just, just like, hey, you know what's going to make the people cry this week? Let's have the kid turn into a monster and die. You know what I mean? It's like source material, you know? I'm just going to say to those who played the second game, when she says... It, now I'm going to bring down the vibes because if we're going to talk about misery porn, if anybody played the second game when Ellie says, I'm scared of being alone, that mm. will just make the second season. And if you played the second game and you know how that ends, much more tragic. And I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I figured that was going to play into something. So, and that is a, that is a great moment for her, who's someone who's always kind of played off as, you know, you know kind of carefree reckless yeah like a scrappy little little kid a little, a little scrappy yeah i gotta say that that was a badass moment where she just is like you know what i know everyone's got machine guns and these these chompers over here will get me with their uh funnel cake kisses i'm gonna take this small ass knife and stab them in the brain 
That's 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 tough. That's badass. So, guys, let's get into our awards section. Uh, let's get into the. I mean, this one should be pretty obvious. It's kind of a lightning round pick. Uh, the Tess on Fire Award for the most heartbreaking moment. Uh, to me, it is when um, we see our our little boy uh, Sam say about the monster inside of you, and then he reveals he got bit, and that's what it broke my heart because I'm like, oh, fuck, this kid is so nice. I just want him to go live in a land where there's puppies and cupcakes, you know. And nope, he has been bitten. And he's afraid he'll never be the same. And that just that just killed me. Uh, so let's bring on the vibes even more. Uh, Kelly, what was your Tess on Fire moment? Um, I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm going to go with what you just said. But if I have to pick my own unique moment, it would be when they um, journeyed down into the tunnels and you get into that room that had been a preschool and just like feeling like you're looking at... Um, the ghosts of children when you're in that room and people who really thought that they were doing it right and they were going to be okay and that room's completely abandoned that stuff creeps me out like when you get to see just memories of the past so uh in terms of the darkest one, one of the darker moments that would be mine alicia let's uh let's get this pity party uh, closed out what is the test on fire moment for you yeah oh and by the way that also kind of happens in the game too so Mm. fun fact when he finds the drawing with the name ish on there ish is a character you yeah. read about throughout in notes but um yeah i mean obviously like the very end but i would say that the specific moment is when henry comes to terms of what he just did and having to rapidly realize like oh my god it's like it, it's nobody's fault it's not joel's fault i want to blame joel i'm gonna point a gun at him but then realizing like you know i'd imagine there's probably some kind of transactional thinking of like I just killed all these people. I killed this revolutionary. This whole city's dead because I wanted to save my brother. And now now he's dead. So now it's just like death on top of death that you have to deal with, and let alone you just killed your own little brother. Um, yeah, that was fucked. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, let's talk about the Golden Clicker Award, the best performance of the episode. Alicia, I know who you're going to pick in this one. Don't let me down. I was going to pick Kevon Woodward, because I, oh, I thought you were going with Thick Mushroom Daddy. Oh, thick, oh, of course, Thick Mushroom Daddy. Which, like, hey, like, if I could just be a little gross here for a second, but yes. I'm, I'm not being gross. I'm not being gross. I'm, I'm expressing myself. It's fine. There's beautiful people in the world of all body types and shapes, and we should appreciate that. But the guy who is Mushroom Daddy, like the stunt man, yeah, holy shit, like ripped. See? You gotta be to wear a suit that thick, man. You cannot be a Whoa. ball of jelly. Like, can great Parmesan on those abs. Listen, if you ever, if the, that's how they washed all the clothes on set. Just use the abs, <laughs> a little washboard. Uh, so, all right. So you're going to go with our performer who was Henry, right? Uh, I believe he, it, is that the, no, K, uh, Kivan Woodward. Woodward oh, he's, he's Sam. Sam. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Uh, yeah, because I, I mean, he's just great. I mean, he felt like a kid. I mean, he is a kid in real life, but um, a kid who's also deaf. Yeah, and but but just like there's just like a sweet sincerity about him. Like he he felt um, obviously like a kid in the apocalypse, but he was still a kid. Right? He wasn't just like this tough, like oh Carl, and like I have an Coral. eye patch now, Coral. Um, oh, the fucking eye patch! I yeah, forgot about that. He, he was incredibly oh. just sincere. Um, and just all around adorable. Uh, and great, great performance there. Uh, Kelly, who gets your Golden Clicker Award? <laughs> That's got to go to the uh, gymnast child clicker played by <laughs> nine-year-old Sky Bell Counten. Um, I it's hated great. it so much. I hated it so much. She was so agile and so creepy. I absolutely loved it. <laughs> Oh I just gotta God. say, we, I'm really disappointed we don't have Megan and, like, mini clicker meme mashups, because I think they would be best friends. Absolutely. Doing little TikTok dances. Oh, my God. You should, you gotta make that happen. You 100% have to make that happen. Um, Christ, I can't even, like, host this podcast now, because I try not to break. Um, for me, I, I'm gonna represent tall women here. Uh, Melanie Linsky, uh, we're not gonna see her anymore in the series. 
Uh, she was amazing. I think just the scene alone, her two big moments where she is in her childhood bedroom and she's talking about uh, basically giving us a background on the entire revolution, her modus operandi and her love for her brother. And then that big turn where she picks her head up, looks straight at Perry and she's just like, I'm going to kill them all. And I should have forgave him, but I'm just going to kill him. And you're like, holy shit, that is, that is, and she's, she has such like, um, she's not like barking. She's talking in very soft tones. So that's even scarier when someone in a very calm demeanor says, I'm going to fuck them kids. I'm going to kill them. You're like, oh, they mean this. This is legit. And you could tell Perry is like, fuck, I don't want to do this, but I kind of have to. And um, then her moment where she basically was just like, it's not all about you, Henry. It's the world doesn't revolve around you and your decisions. It's like, well, the irony, like we should just get an iron just coming on the scene going, here it is. This is irony, guys. And um, she was great. She is a great, like, small character that is such a, a like we said, it's like um, a sample, a sample of moral gray. And uh, where someone can go when they're in that moral gray, they can go lean one way or the other. And she definitely leaned into the, you know, murder side. Uh, and then finally, we uh, we have two more. We have the tinfoil hat uh, time. Well, let's talk about our predictions, any thoughts and theories we have uh, wrapping the tinfoil around our domes. Um, I feel like we're going to finally see as if the trailer is correct. I think maybe next episode or the episode after we're going to get that flashback scene you're talking about, Alicia, where we're going to find out about Ellie's past and that friend she talked about. Um, I also don't think, I think it's pretty obvious things are not going to go well with the Tommy reunion. Uh, Kelly, any, uh, wrap that, uh, Reynolds wrap around your head and tell me any, uh, thoughts and theories you might have. All right. Well, um, you know, as somebody who has not played the games, don't have uh, the in-depth information, um, uh, just following the side comments that I feel have been made. Um, well, first is like the flashbacks where we kind of got to see what life was like as the, um, you know, the mushrooms just started uh, invading. Um, so we saw like the scientists kind of looking at that. Um, we heard Joel's comments basically saying they think it might have spread through like um, pancake mix or whatever. Um, I'm interested in seeing if there is a bit more of like um, a government conspiracy in this thing. Uh, I don't really know if that came into play in the games or not, but it kind of feels like with so many different opinions of where this came from, there might be like an overarching um, storyline with that other than just, um, you know, kind of following these people in this post-apocalyptic world making choices. Okay, Alicia, I mean, you have a little bit more knowledge than we do. What do you think comes up? Yeah, I mean, um, it's kind of hard to say, right? Because they're, they're, they're sticking pretty accurately to the game. Um, I mean, I don't know if, we'll necessarily see the DLC bits next episode, I think, maybe. I don't even know if that even gets its own episode. That might just be kind... That might actually be the cold open to next episode. Oh, okay. Could that, be. that would be... That would yeah. be interesting. I, I mean, yeah. I personally think as great as DLC is, it doesn't maybe warrant an entire episode. Um, but, uh, yeah, as far as, like, tinfoil hat... um, Yeah, I mean... It's going to be interesting to see, like, Tommy's evolution, um, especially, once again, not to keep bringing it up, is, like, how he is in the second game after a certain somebody's death, and is he truly, like, a changed man, and, you know, c clearly he's left the Fireflies, and even Joel kind of talks about how he just naively, like, likes to join things, and, right. you know, I think maybe we're going to see, like, a moral flip where it's going to be Tommy trying to talk joel out of delivering ellie to the fireflies but oh all right yeah. interesting all right guys now i have to come up with oh this will be easy al's wacky waving inflatable rating system where I, we come up with some sort of ludicrous metric to rate the episode this one is super duper easy on a scale of one to ten thick mushroom daddies what are we rating this episode kelly you are our guest of honor this week thank you for joining us um what do you rate this episode on a scale of one to ten thick mushroom daddies? 
I'm going to give this. They're also called bloaters, by the way. So it... <laughs> Mushroom daddy, no. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, eight mushroom daddies. All right. Uh, I'm going to go with nine mushroom daddies on this one. Uh, nothing's going to touch the Bill and Frank episode. Uh, but this was great. I mean, great action. Um, emotional end. And listen, Joel and Ellie just be, keep... Uh, we didn't talk that much about them in the episode. But they keep evolving into just very, very much characters we care about. I mean, we inherently care about them, given their caches, Mando and Lady Mormont. But as Joel and Ellie, we're really starting to care about these people. And I really like that. Alicia, Thick Mushroom Daddies, what do you got? I'm going to give it nine. Yeah, nine Mushroom Daddies. I'm really glad we, we, we got to see a little bit more action and actually see, like, how fucking badly like the infected can eviscerate a whole city like I, i'm not saying i was getting bored i don't want to say i'm getting bored but it was definitely like okay we need to we need to see a little bit more of what makes this world apocalyptic um so that was that was pretty tight so yeah nine nine dummy thick with three c's mushroom daddies well guys that wraps up our review of the last of us episode five before we go we're going to plug our social media and we're going to give you guys a pop culture recommendation thing to brighten your day after watching The Last of Us. Um, I'll start off. Uh, I, if you must follow me on Twitter, I'm at BodkinWrites, W-R-I-T-E-S. I'm the editor-in-chief of ThePopBreak.com every single day. You can check out our latest uh, musings, reviews, interviews, and photos of all things pop culture. Hey, we're officially a Paramount Plus affiliate. So if you see up, if you want a free, if you want a free trial of Paramount Plus, or you want to subscribe with a discount, uh, and you see it in one of our posts, just click on it, man. I, I make we make money off of it, which is cool. Uh, so we, there's that. Um, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Pop Break. Uh, Besides socially distance, I do the Bill versus the MCU podcast and Anchored in Asbury, a musical interview series, both on the Pop Break Today feed. Also one of the panelists on the TV Break podcast on Pop Break TV. Um, my recommendation this week is going to be an animated series. I know I'm not the one who usually picks that, but uh, it's going to be Marvel's Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, which is uh, the first two episodes uh, aired on the Disney Channel last weekend. The first six episodes are now on Disney+. Plus. This cartoon is awesome. I really, really love this. It's a 2D animation, very vibrant colors, really creative editing, kind of reminds me of the Sp Into the Spider-Verse. Um, the soundtrack is curated by Raphael Sadiq, who people might know from Tony, 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 if you're old like me. Uh, also is a multi-time Emmy, Grammy, and, and um, Oscar nominee. Uh, he uh, creates this amazing soundtrack that even if you didn't watch the show, you put on your Spotify playlist if you love instrumental music. Um, chock full of amazing cameos. First two episodes, uh, Alison Breeze in it, Lawrence Fishburne. Wesley Snipes somehow is going to be this and Colby Smulders returning as Maria Hill. Um, it's a really fun show for kids and a fun show for adults who love comic books, but uh, never loses its messaging, no matter how vibrant and fun and over the top it is. They're actually all their fight scenes turn into musical numbers, which is wild and it's absolutely awesome. But they have great messages for kids that are not preachy and are never drowned out by all the fun. So definitely check out Marvel's Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur streaming on Disney Plus right now or air Saturday mornings on the Disney Channel if you're a parent and have the Disney Channel. Uh, Alicia, where can people find you on the Internet and what would be your recommendation for the week? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at A Weinby. That's W-E-I-N-B-Y. Um, yeah, recommendation for the week. Um, I'm going to get on my little soapbox here and just say support your local library. They're, uh, most libraries use a wonderful app called Hoopla. And uh, if you want more Last of Us content, um, they have a lot of big comic book publishers, one of which is Dark Horse, and they have the full Last of Us Part Two art book on there. So if you're looking for some creative inspiration or just want to, you know, be more sad um, in this world, uh, check out Hoopla, go to your local library, uh, they need it, get a library card, it's awesome, you can also read a bunch of comics on Hoopla, so that's my little soapbox. Yeah, I've talked about that, that app before, and your Al's mentioned it a bunch of times, I'm actually going to be getting a library card this weekend, because I've just gotten back into the comics, so I'm definitely going to be start uh, using that myself. Uh, Kelly, Again, thank you so much for coming out. What movie are you going to recommend? Plug your social media. Tell us about 
uh, the showroom in Asbury Park. All right. Um, so my socials, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Kel at the Movies. Um, kind of going off of uh, our library card conversation. If you have a library card, you can also download the Canopy app. Um, that you get four credits a month and their collection of movies, international, indie, documentary, so on and so forth, is pretty incredible. It's a super valuable resource for all cinephiles. Um, and uh, one more suggestion for me would be if you have not started, uh, start watching Poker Face on the Peacock app. Um, so good. It's so yeah. good just renewed for uh, a second season it's ryan johnson and you got natasha leone who i will never ever get tired of watching do literally anything um uh, it's hilarious and it is a great crime of the week you know it just uh is it's a perfect show and i think that it's a great show for literally anybody yeah alicia if you've never watched poker face on peacock it's the best it's basically just like Natasha Leone is Columbo, but Columbo is directed by Ryan Johnson. So it's like, it's pretty rad. I think you, I think you, I, you'd love the shit out of it. And I'm surprised, I'm stunned. It got a, one, it got a second season and it got a Super Bowl ad because I thought I'm like, NBC is never going to get behind this. Oh, they are. And that's pretty awesome. So guys, thank you for joining us. Alicia will be returning hopefully next week with us where we talk about The Last of Us episode six. Until then, survive and endure no seriously you'll be all right we'll see you next week